0: Tonight, the first night of Hanukkah, we celebrate the miracle of Hanukkah. So my question is, is a miracle a good thing? When a miracle happens, is a miracle a good thing? Is a miracle something to be happy about, proud about? Miracle us. is that something we're excited about, that we had a miracle? Yes or no? Now, I would have said that a miracle... Is a good thing I mean is a good thing You see the hand of Hashem On Pesach we celebrate a miracle The whole concept We had ten plays were all miracles You had the splitting of the sea Is a miracle Matan Torah was a miracle Miracles are glorified in our history So I would have said And Hanukkah we celebrate a miracle a miracle is a great thing The only thing is There are two Gemara Two Gemariot that are uh, That don't seem this way There's one Gemara in Shabbat. Gemara tells the story of a man who lost his wife. He had a baby, and he didn't have enough money to feed the baby, to hire like a nurse or something like that to feed the baby. So he was stuck. So the Gemara tells, I'm not going to say exactly what happened because I don't know if you're not know to take it, but the Gemara says that somehow something happened within him that he was able to feed the baby. Whatever. Okay? So the Gemara says, so Rabbi Nehru Yosef says, wow, look at this person, look how great he is. God made a miracle for him to feed his baby. Abayir responded, he says, what do you mean? Look how bad this guy is. That God had to change nature and change the creation in order for him to feed his baby. In other words, the fact that a miracle happened, he viewed as a negative. Got it? Yeah, Good, okay, I know But that's what the Gemara says in There's another Gemara Ta'anit Gemara says that there was A famine At the same time There was a famine And there was a rabbi and Rabbi Yudah. And rabbi was a great, great, great man And like if he prayed Hashem responded. So he even just began to pray. He didn't even really pray, he just began to pray, and rain started to come and the food and they started to become and the famine, the tide was changing. The minute he prayed, the minute rain came, there was another rabbi named Mari Bared Bachemwell. he followed me, the second rabbi, who was on the at the port. And he saw at the port he saw boats and on the boats there were there were crew members and he saw the crew members were angels that looked like people ok and he t- they took bags and they filled the bags with sand and miraculously the sand turned into flour and they were going to bring the flour to the shore to give to people to sell and the famine was going to change beautiful man prayed, if you prayed God performed the miracle, sent angels to make sand into flour beautiful miracle, no? great big deal On the port, any person who came to get the food, he told them, don't eat from this food. It's miraculous food, don't eat from miraculous food. Wait till tomorrow. The next day, they had regular food, regular ship came in with regular food, and he said, now you can eat. But the first day, miraculous food that had to come from angels that are packing bags with sand that turned into flour. He told them, it's no good, don't enjoy the food. Food that's miraculous, don't benefit from. Two stories. that both say the same thing: that an a that a miracle is not something that we're looking for. It's not something we're looking to enjoy. It's not something we're looking to benefit from. And it's not something we're looking to celebrate. Stay away from it. It's a miracle. God had to change the creation. We don't want that. Strange, right? You agree? So one second. So let me answer. You think it makes sense? So let me answer. <laughs> So my question really is not just, is sort of the contradiction. Not just how do I explain this, but the contradiction. And over here, we're seeing that miracles are almost a negative. And yet, in the story of Hanukkah, or in the story of Pesach, or the story of Kiryat uh, Suf, or in many other stories within the Jewish people in the desert the whole time they lived there, was miraculous. And we glorify the miracles. The miracle of the clouds, the miracle of the man, the miracle of the water from the rock, the miracle of the splitting of the sea. Ten, May, miracles, like our whole history is practically based on miracles. God coming down, Hashem, and think, miracles is our whole history, and yet I'm telling you, different various kabbalists that are telling you that miracles are negative. There's the a Sefer Yaakov that answers this question. He says that it depends. If the miracle is done to, for, to glorify Hashem, and to proclaim and show the honor of Hashem, then it's a good thing. But if the miracle is done to get you out of your pickle, then it's a bad thing. So one second. So he says, that's what he says. So therefore, Puri, Pesach, when they have this miracle, that miracle, when, when you read the Episukim, it wasn't just about getting them out of Egypt. Maybe God could have done it in one, he didn't need to do it. It was to see that Hashem runs the world, to see the hand of God, to see that there is a God, to see that he controls the world, to see that he's still here, to see that he's maintaining all that all that that you were able to see and the, the display of the glory of Hashem was what's happening within that miracle and therefore that miracle is a miracle we glorify. are all miracles where you see in the hand of Hashem and where the miracle wasn't just for us but it was for God. know, For God meaning to show the world that there is a God and that's why we keep celebrating that and that's why Hashem did that is to show that there's a God and that He controls the world. But for you and your issue and your problem if you need a miracle, or even if a bunch of people need a miracle and you just need a miracle to get out of the issue, then a miracle is a negative. Because God doesn't want to change nature, change the way around the world. Now I want to explain this first. Of thousands of of miracles. Now let me explain why to get you out of your problem just to get you out of your problem is no good. And I'll give you an analogy. I said imagine you see a guy who's playing a baseball game, okay? And you see his one player who's really he's not here to appreciate it, but it's one player who is not, the, right, you know what I mean? Who is striking out on every at-bat. So he no, decides, right. No, so he decides. <laughs> he says, so the umpire decides we're going to do something different, you know. we do something I'm going to do him a favor, okay? He goes, and the next pitch, the guy swings and misses. The umpire takes the ball, tells the catcher, give me the ball. He gives him the ball, hands the ball to the batter. The batter starts walking over the pitcher's mound, over second base into center field, takes the ball, puts it over the fence, and he goes, ah, I got a home run, look at that. And everyone starts cheering, he's got a home run, he walks back to the home play, he walks back, he runs around the bases, and he comes back and he high-fives all his teammates in the dugout, he had got a home run, look, I put the, got the ball over the fence. Obviously, if you see that, you say, that's not, there's no point, anyone could do that. That's not, the big deal is, the point of the game is to take a 97 mile an hour pitch and take a pitch that's coming in right, you know, in your head and then curve, curving on over the plate and swing at it and hit it 400 feet. That's the challenge. To take the ball and put it over the fence is no big deal. The same thing is Hashem created the world, and Hashem wants the world. The world has its challenges, and the world has its tests, and the world has its ups and downs, and all those things are created for you to grow and change and and persevere through all of it and maintain yourself through all of it if you go and and all of a sudden the world changes and now we have a miracle it's as if Hashem gave you a ball and told you to go put it on the other side of the fence that's not the point the point is to be in the pickle and to be stuck and be stuck without money and still get out of it and use it and still use it to grow and to be stuck with that issue whatever it is and use it to grow not just to take the ball and throw it over the fence in fact this was once a, a cute story there was a Rabbi Shadron who was, you know, you know, he was a famous Rabbi, he made speeches it was a Mahgid of Jerusalem. there wrote books about him, anyhow. So, he, in his early years, he was like a, uh, you know, he used to teach a Rabbi in Yeshiva, and he was teaching boys, and one night, boy wasn't, one night he saw one of the consistent people weren't in the class. Second night he saw the same group of, the same guy wasn't in the class, third night he wasn't in the class. So he finally decides he's going to go visit the boy. He went to the boy's house. And he knocks on the door. The boy answers the door. He says, everything okay? He says, what do you mean? Yeah, everything's fine. you sure everything's okay? He says, what's there? He says, I, I was worried about you. You, know, you haven't come to the class three nights in a row. I was worried about you. So the boy says, don't worry, don't worry. I'll be back next week. I'll be back next week. He says, next week? How about tomorrow night? He says, no, nah, next week. I'll be able to come next week. Rabbi says, come on, what's, what's going on? You can tell me, I'm close to you, don't worry about it, you can tell me. He says, I'll tell you a story, Rabbi. He's in Israel. He says, the World Cup is happening right now. And they're playing, they had these soccer games, they're big games. And I'm watching the games when the World Cup is over. I'll come back to the class. Rabbi says, what's the world, what's this soccer game? Explain it to me. He says, soccer game? You know, soccer game is the way it is. There's two nets on each side of the field, and you the the players try to kick the ball and they try to get into the net. When you get shy into the net, like it's unbelievable. You have to see the players goes crazy. It's a huge thing. He says, "Really? Wow, that's unbelievable." He says, "What well, they have to kick the ball in the net?" He says, "How about if we? Uh, I could do that. I could kick the ball in the net. Why it's not such a big deal?" He says, "No, no, 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 no. You have to understand." There's a guy there, there's a goalie. And the goalie sits in the net and he runs back and forth and he stops the ball. So the rabbi says, Is the goalie there now? And he says, No, no, the goalie's not there. The goalie's there during the game, He's not there now. He says, Oh perfect. Let's go right now. Let's go to the let's go to the field. Let's go. I'll kick the ball. We'll kick I'll kick it. We'll get it thirty, forty shots in a row. We'll never miss. We'll be unbelievable. He says, Rabbi, there's no point. The whole point is there's a goalie there. You kick it, get it around the goalie. You hit it on your head, on your nose, on your knee, on your back foot. And you get it in. You flip and you get it in. That's not the point. not to hit it when there's, when there's no goalie there. So the rabbi waits. He's waiting for the guy. He says, so you got the point? Right? He says, so you got the point. To come to the class next week it's coming without a goalie. No big deal. Coming tomorrow night is coming when there's a goalie there. That's the point. When Hashem created the world, he created the world not to make miracles. He created the world in the way he wanted the world to be, with its challenges and with its natural challenges. <laughs> okay, the next question I'm going to ask is that, why does he... Why does he, he Hashem. Hashem. If, if we're saying that the whole point of the world is that you have challenges and you're supposed to meet those challenges and grow through those challenges, and even, no matter how horrible the situation is, Hashem somehow wants us to use that and that's the point of life is to go through that terrible thing and come out on the other side or even not come out on the other side but that's the point of life is to go through it. So why does Hashem sometimes send those miracles? Why in the case of this guy did he... That's the question I'm going to answer. Why in the case of this guy did he send the person the ability to feed the baby? Or Why did he allow that? We had said the story earlier of a person who who, who made, you know, had, they, they didn't have any food so there were angels filling bags of sand and the, the sand turned into flour. Why is Hashem doing that? That's, so I want to answer that question. The answer to that question I would say is, the answer to that question I would say is that is that it's like a it's like your kid. Your kid's asking you sometimes, he's asking you for candy. He really wants candy, he really wants candy. And you know candy's not healthy for him. I guess it just happened. (laughs) You know candy's not healthy, candy's not healthy for him. So you tell him no, you tell him no. You know it's better for him not to have the candy. But sometimes he cries so hard and he begs so strongly with such with such intensity that you feel, you know what? You're just going to give him the candy because you feel so bad you see how much it's hurting him, you're going to give him the candy. Even though you know the candy is better that he doesn't have the candy. But you see how much pain he's in right now, you give him the candy. So I'm saying sometimes Hashem will deliver that miracle because he knows the pain, that momentary pain that the person's feeling and the person is praying, the person asking Hashem, so that Hashem will give it to him. Even though maybe it's not saying he deserves. But again, all this we're talking about is outright, open, supernatural miracles. Chanukah... We had this supernatural miracle. And so the fact one of the so this commentary Yaakov says he says, So how do we know how do we know what if Hanukkah was a miracle that was something that was a positive or a miracle that was a negative? So how do we know that? so much? So the commentary says like this. It says like this. The Bed Yosef, there's a commentary called the bed Yosef. The Bed Yosef asks one of the most famous questions on Hanukkah. Question is, you know the question? You wear the question? Question is, Why is this life different from other? no, that's not the question. The question is that we have, what, what's the story of Hanukkah? God, we had enough oil for one night, and Hashem performed a miracle, and it lasted for eight nights. And therefore, we celebrate eight nights. What's the question? Question is, that how many nights were miraculous? Seven. Seven. So why are you celebrating eight? The first night, they put the oil in the thing. There was enough oil for that night. So that night isn't a miracle. The Beit Yosef is a commentary on the side of the tour. He's the author of the He asked this question. He's known as the father of this question, although it seems that there's earlier books that ask the question as well. But he's known as the one who asked the question. He himself gives three answers. There are many answers that were written. There's a book that was written about 20 years ago that... Or maybe more that has a hundred answers to the question, and there's a book that was produced a couple of years ago that now has it's right here. That now has five hundred answers to the question. Wow. Five hundred answers, the whole book. This is this whole book. The whole book is just answering the exact this question. Why do you celebrate eight nights if the miracle should really be seven? What? Look, this is the book. I'm holding it. 500 answers to why we celebrate eight nights and we should only celebrate seven. So the Vachar staff gives three answers. These are the famous answers. Answer number one is that what they did, the Jewish people did, was that they, he said, they didn't pour all the oil in on the first night. They divided it up into eight pieces. They knew that they weren't going to get oil for another eight nights. So they put only an eighth of a cup on the first night, an eighth of a cup on the second night, a third night, fourth night, a night. So all eight nights were miracle. That's his first answer. His second answer was that what happened, how did the miracle happen? On the first night they poured the oil into the cup and the oil, they poured the oil out of the jug into the menorah and the jug was still full. So on the first night, there was a miracle too. Third answer is that night. Right, but on the end of the last night, yeah, and the eighth night, and empty. But the point is, every night there was a miracle. His third answer is it's a little different, but the same kind of answer is that this, uh, these, uh, the when they poured it in the first night, he what do he say? Oh, the jug, the how do I say this right? The menorah did not, the menorah filled up. Uh, the menorah stayed full. Oh, that's what happened. After it lit, and they lit the whole night, the menorah stayed full. So even after the first night, there was a miracle. Follow that? Either way, here's just three answers. Another very, very, very famous answer, a fourth answer, is that the seven nights we celebrate the miracle of the candles, and on the first night we celebrate the miracle, the fact that God saved us in the war. Okay? This commentary, Kiloch Yaakov, that God took care of us in the battles. Kilot Yaakov says, I have a different answer. He says that yes... We're celebrating the seven nights of a miracle. We're celebrating the fact that the first night was not a miracle. He says, why is that? Because by the fact that God did for us the first night without a miracle, showed us that Hashem really could take care of us without miracles. God gave us a night of oil without any miracles. Because really, He wants to take care of us without miracles. He just did a miracle on the next seven nights to show the glory of Hashem, to show that Hashem is still with us, to show us that this miracle is not the negative kind of miracle, but rather it's a positive kind of miracle. How do we see? What's the symbol that this miracle was a positive miracle? By the fact that He did it for us the first night without a miracle. You got that answer? This negative and this positive. How do we know that this one was a positive? Because on the first night he did it without a miracle. On the first night he showed us that Hashem really is here taking care of us through nat- naturally. He's not doing it supernatural. He did on the third night. On After that he did miracles to show that he's still with us. But on the first night he did it without a miracle. What? Because the premise I want to show you how the Jewish people really during that time, and this part isn't as famous as the regular story, how during that time they really did not just count on the miracles. And it wasn't just miracles that happened, and it really wasn't even all positive that happened, but part of what took place then were even the negative things that took place, or what showed, or what made us, the Jewish people, what made this story so important in our history. Is during that time, it wasn't, first of all, it wasn't just well, you realize it wasn't just the Yivanim against the Jews. It was really even the, within the Jewish people, there were many Hellenist Jews, and those were really the people that were more of the problem than even the Yivanim. In fact, they encouraged the Yivanim to come and conquer the Jewish people. And they were anti-Judaism, and they were anti and sport, and they they started sports and Olympics. In, in Jerusalem, they had, I don't know if they had Olympics, but they had sports and arenas in Jerusalem with people playing games, in, uh, not dressed very well, or not dressed at all, and they had, again, these Roman type of, you know, these what do they have, what do they call those? Colosseans were built in Jerusalem by the, the Kohen Gadol, the Kohanim at that time, that were people that didn't believe in Torah and the Torah, that were trying to sort of enlighten our people and create this atmosphere and the culture, this Greek culture, this Roman culture, they were trying to create a in Israel. That was really more of the problem. And yet there were Jews and the Greeks came and they made Gizerot, they made decrees against Mila and, and Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat and there were Jews who really put their life on the line for these things. In fact, there was a story, a story of a woman that he came and made a, a decree, Bagris was one of the generals, he came and he made the decrees against these three things. And there was a woman who told, There was, excuse me, a couple who took their son and circumcised their son, even though they knew that there was tremendous punishment. And sure enough, a few days later, the or a little while later, the woman and her husband were both hung in front of the kid. Uh, there was another story. This is all in Megillat Antiochus. In There's a Megillah that's written about the story. There was another woman who I don't believe her husband wasn't alive. I, and she circumcised her son. And then she went to the top of the wall, a wall of wall in Jerusalem, Jerusalem. and she stood atop at the, the wall, and she said, you think you're going to stop the treaty between us and God? It's not happening. We're not stopping. I don't care what decrees you make. I circumcised my son. And then she dropped her son to the ground, and she jumped after him, and they both died. There's another story. This is a well-known story. There were many Jews who went into a cave. They wanted to keep Shabbat. So they went into a cave, and they tried to keep Shabbat. So, like I was telling you, this group of Jews went into the cave to keep Shabbat. And they're celebrating Shabbat, they're keeping Shabbat, and then the Greeks, the Ivanim, came to the mouth of the cave, and they called inside. See, Jewish people, what are you doing in there? They responded, what are you doing there? They said, we know you're in there, come outside, and eat with us, and join us, and do what we do, and eat what we do, and eat what we eat, and drink what we drink. Jewish people, st- they had a discussion, a meeting inside, They said, we're not coming out. We're going to keep Shabbat, regardless, we're not coming out. What happened? They took, Greeks took wood, and they started burning fires on the mouth of the cave, and the smoke went inside the cave, and suffocated, and over a thousand people died in that event. Not every story of Hanukkah ended beautifully and nicely. People were killed, people died, but those people are the people that effort and that that. Kiddush Hashem that those people created Were part of what brought the people back Part of what was the cause of the miracle of Hanukkah The miracle of Hanukkah wasn't Oh we had a problem Poof, We had a miracle take care of the problem The miracle of Hanukkah was our people In a t- in in this dark time Dark time Physical and spiritually dark time That our people came And with their strength And their belief And their emunah They fought back And they fought back And they believed in Hashem And that So well, slowly but surely That turned the tide And turned What our people became That's what we're celebrating on Hanukkah. We're not just celebrating a miracle. A miracle is not necessarily a positive thing. What we're celebrating on Hanukkah is the fact that we put effort, and we tried, and we kept our faith in Hashem, and we have that connection between us and Hashem, and through that, God created a miracle. It was our effort that caused it. In fact, another answer, one of the other 500 answers that they give here is that the first night of Hanukkah was show, it was us lighting, showing that, you know what, we did our own thing. Hashem did the other seven nights, but we did our own first night to say that, you know what, we also put in the effort. It's our effort. It wasn't just Hashem did a miracle for us. So our effort, our trying, our... our What? Dealing with that, what I'm saying, and dealing with that situation, and dealing with that dark time, and being able to persevere, and remaining true to our Torah and our Mitzvot through that time, that is symbolized somewhat in the first night. And the fact that we went into the Be'at HaMikdash, and we lit those candles, no matter what, no matter what the to try to do to us, we lit those candles, that's the miracle. that we, That's... Not, it's not a miracle, but it's that concept that we're celebrating on the first night. It's the not just... Baum says that we were in the decrees and the uh, was, was 52 years of darkness, he says. That's ah, what Theranbam says. It's, what it's not to finish. It's not to finish. That's what he says. Other, you know, that's the... In fact, the... the um, There's a nice little hint that they say, some, guy says, some say, how are you? That some say that the the on the first night we're celebrating that that the Jewish people sacrificed themselves to remain connected to Hashem. So like a little gematria, someone said, but that's not. So one of the commentaries is, but that's not the word that we say in the mitzvah. We say mm-hmm. Ner Hanukkah. We're making the mitzvah. We're count, and we're celebrating of the ner of Hanukkah So how does that mean to doing it? So. He said, Nair, little Gemachiach, I'll give you a little numerical thing. Nair, what's the Gemachiach? Nair is how much? 250. 250. Okay. Me? How much is me? Mem Yud? Mem is 40. Mem is 40, Mem Yud is 50. Kamocha Khaf, Mem Vav, Khaf, He is how much? 60, 66, 86, 91. Correct? Kamocha is 91. Hey at the end Hey at the end Hey at the end Okay 91 <laughs> 50 <laughs> and 91 <laughs> is 141 <laughs> Okay Ba'erlin Bet al Lamed yod-mem is how much? 33 I don't know Am I using the yod i am not using the yod? What, what? 73 or 80? It's Ba'elin So I think it's 83 83 plus 91 80. No, 80 plus 141 83 plus 141 is? Uh, 200 224. 200. 224 Right And your Keh Bab is? 26 It's 224 And 26 is? 250 <laughs> No, we 224 Plus how much? 26 Hashem oh, Mika Mocha Ba'elin Hashem Yod E Bab is 250 <laughs> The nair of the first night is from so, Mika Mocha Ba'elin Hashem is the fact that we went out and we fought for Hashem we sacrificed Hashem. That's cute. Give it to me. Okay. We always have to fight our that to the Okay. That's what it was about. That's what Hanukkah is about. Hanukkah is about ours remaining dedicated to Hashem. In fact, the story is not that well known. It happened in time of Hanukkah. Yochanan and You don't go anywhere? I'll take him home. Okay, fine. Yochanan and was... Um, went in he heard about the decrees he went into the general at the time Nicanor was the general he went in and he put his sword he had a sword that was uh, like it says like a fist wide and two, two fists fist wide and two fists small like a machete he had it and he put it under his coat he walked into the into the palace of Nicanor the general and they walk in he says what are you doing here they said we got, you're one of the rebels he says I'm coming to speak to the king to speak to the general they bring him in General says, what are you doing here? Nikanor was a Jewish guy. Nicanor was, Nicanor was not a Jewish. Now can, doors, huh? Yeah, but Nikanor was not Jewish. <laughs> Nikanor, he comes in to... Yeah, we have issues tonight. If you haven't noticed. What does that say? I don't know what it says. Yeah. So Nikanor comes in. <laughs> Nikanor, he comes in to... What's that? He comes in... He comes in Nikā, He comes into the Nikah. No, He says, he tells him, Nikah, no, he says, whatever, he says, what are you here for? He says, whatever I'm here to do, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. He says, whatever I ask you to do. He says, I'll tell you what I'm asking you to do. I want you to take a pig and slaughter it on the altar in the Beit HaMikdash. He says, and if you do it, I'll put you on the king's horse and I'll dress you in the king's clothing and you'll be close to the king. Yohanan says no problem I just have one little issue if there's people watching they might go and tell my Jewish friends and the Jew my Jewish friends are going to be annoyed at me and angry at me and they're going to go and they're going to hurt out my head so if no one sees I'll do it just me and you so he got removed all the officers from the room all the soldiers all from the room just him and, and Nikano in the room and it says in Megillat it says he stopped and he turned to Hashem and he said Hashem the God, my God, and the God of my forefathers, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Cool. He said, don't do this for me, do this for you. He says, because if they, if I get killed in this event, I'm me, one of the leaders of the Jewish people, the Grand Gadol, if I get killed, it's going to be a Chilu Hashem for the entire Jewish people. But if I win, and if I succeed, be Kiddush Hashem for the entire Jewish people. He said, Hashem, please help me this moment. He went inside, he walked, ran up three steps, and he took this, pulled out his sword and pierced it into the man's stomach and he killed him. And that was sort of the first event, or first that was one of the turning ones, that was the first event that was done against this great general that really turned the tide and, of the story of Maccabim. But again, it wasn't, he killed the Greek. But again, it's not a story of a man who just was a very powerful man. The story of a man who was alone, who prayed to Hashem, connected to Hashem, and asked for Hashem's help, and then went out and did what he had to do. That's what Chanukah is about, is the fact that we put him in Sirut Nefesh, and we sacrificed ourselves for the win. Not everyone lived. There were many people who sacrificed themselves and died. The sons of, of, uh, the sons of Yudah died in the battles. And lazar one of the other sons, died in the battles. They not everyone died. This was not just oh the miracle of the splitting of the sea. Everyone walked through. People died. People died for for bringing their children. People died to keep Shabbat. People died to keep pure. And people died to study Torah. People died. And be, but they put themselves on the line to say to sacrifice themselves to remain and keep that connection with that connection that bond between us and Hashem. That's what we're celebrating. That might be why we had the first night of Hanukkah is for what we did. The other seven nights is for what Hashem did once he saw our effort. But the first night is for what we did. In fact I'll give you a story because we have some time. There was this story took place. There's a rabbi who passed away a few years ago, his name was Otivio Goldstein. Rabbi Goldstein was one of the big lean in the country. He said when he was a young boy in the forties nineteen forties he was in lived in Russia. And him and a number of his friends would take it to Siberia. So for a while They would work, work, you know, it would be 20, 30, 40 degrees below zero. For a little while, they were able to work six days a week and not on Saturday. But then once the war started to heighten and Russia's involvement in the war started to grow, they needed to work seven days a week to help the war effort of Mother Russia. So the director of their camp comes to them on the first Saturday, and he tells them, you have to work today, and what you're going to do is this big pile of wood... You have to take this pile of wood, bring it into the river. It's going to flow downstream, and then it's going to go to about a mile or two away. And there's another camp, and that camp is going to make planes out of it to help the war effort. He says, I'm coming back in three hours. No problem. The guy leaves. The boys huddle together. They're all Yeshiva boys are in their 20s. They huddle together. They say, you know what? If we have to work on Shabbat, we're going to do it with the least possible sin let's make it as the least possible sin so what are you going to do the halakha is that if you ca- you're not allowed to carry on Shabbat without an Eruf, correct you're not allowed to carry it says if we if two people carry it at the same time it's not as big of a sin because if it's something that one person can do alone that two people do it's not a big of a sin ok so if, let's say this pen if I carry it I'm carrying but if me and Daniel together carry it it's not the same level of sin so let's try it that way. So we're going to take these pieces of wood, even though we could do it ourselves, we'll do it two people. And there's another law, that if you don't walk four on one at a time, if you walk less than four on one, it's also not as big as a sin. So we're going to walk less, or walk five feet, we'll stop. Walk another five feet, stop. So as you see the boys, they're doing this. Two boys carrying a little twig, walking five feet, stopping for a minute. Walking five feet, stopping for a minute. Walking, stopping. What? Look kind of crazy. In the meantime... They didn't realize the director didn't really go anywhere. He just went to the hilltop, and he's watching them. <laughs> and he's watching the scene of these boys, these strong boys, picking up a twig, walking together, stopping. Walking together, stopping. He's going to express his life, he thinks it's funny, then he thinks it's weird, then he thinks it's crazy, and they started to get angry, and he comes back infuriated after three hours. He says, what are you doing? Yeah, I gave you a job, you're mocking this country, what are you doing, playing games? They go to their barrack that night. They go to the barracks at night. They all go to sleep six o'clock at night, like they normally go to sleep. They wake up early, seven o'clock. An hour later, the bell rings, the alarm rings, and all the the whole camp is wake woken up. Everyone has to go to the main quarter, main center house in the middle of the camp. There's three hundred people now. Can they come into the three hundred people? They come in. They come in, and they sit there. They come in. They walk into the courthouse. These. On the left hand side there's twelve chairs for these twelve boys. They sit down. The director gets up. There's a judge in front of the room, a jury, the director gets up and he says, You these boys they're rebelling against Mother Russia. They're rebelling against us, they they don't believe in the war. What do you I'll show you? Look this what they did. And he takes another soldier and he starts to display, carrying a piece of wood. He stops there to five feet, carries him with another gun, he says, Look at this, look at this joke, look what they're doing. So the judge turns to these boys and he says, Do you have an explanation? One of the boys gets up and he tries to explain that the Torah is not as much of a sin. The judge says, I don't know what you're talking about. I know Moses. Moses was a wise man. This isn't wise. This is a joke. He's yelling and screaming. He gets to orders his soldiers to come across the room. He says, put these boys in jail. And they're waiting, they're standing there, and they have their their guns pointed at the boys' heads, the boys are starting to pray, and he's just going on and on. America and Russia and England and France are united against Nazi Germany, and you're here, and you're laughing, and you mock us, and you're rebels, and he's going on and on. 10 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night. At 10 o'clock, six big Russian officers walk in from the M.I.C.C., which is like the Interior... Russian thing, these men would come once a year to check on the camp and check on the work and how it's going. The only problem is it's 10 o'clock at night, there's no work going on. So the judge sees them now, these are the big honchos. So the judge now, they want to impress these guys. So the judge gets up and he starts, he says, look at these people. Look at these campers, They're, they're mocking us, they're embarrassing us and he does the whole display again and these six serious Russian guys, you know these guys, they're scary. These six guys are looking they all life striking. One guy, one of them, doesn't say doesn't say a word. He says, "I'd like to talk to the boys myself." He goes into a side room and he sits the boys down. He says, "Boys, shabu atov." What? said, shabu atov. He says, "Ich bin Aheid." I am Jewish. He says, "I'm a Jew and I'm a communist." And five years ago, my mother passed away. As she was on her deathbed, she told me, she said, listen, son, you're a communist. I have one request. Please, when you have one opportunity to help an observant Torah Jew, promise me that you will do it so I can die in peace. And I promise that I will do it. He says, Tonight, we were not supposed to be here. We were driving in our truck. We only come during the day. We were driving in our truck. Our truck broke down. We saw lights in the courthouse. We followed it. We came to the courthouse and we're here. He said, I believe it's the hand of God that sent me here and I'm going to take care of you boys. He went back into the room and he started yelling. He says, These boys, did they ever show one lack of faith and did they ever show one lack of commitment to our to the war effort till this day says, No. He says, You know what? They're more dedicated than anybody else. And the only reason is you're not giving them enough food and you're not taking care of them. I want you to give them more food. I want you to take care of them more. And he's going on and on. And the director now sees how the tide's turning. So he like starts, and says, yeah, they're really good. But the rest of the time, although it was never a picnic, the rest of the time in Siberia, they were like, they went from being the bottom to the top. Because that time, again, it started with them showing their own commitment. Then start with, oh, I said this before miracles. They put their own dedication. Someone put their life on the line. They went out and sacrificed for Shabbat. They sacrificed for their Torah and Mitzvot. And that brought, and then Hashem came. That's the story of Hanukkah. Our sacrifice that delivered God's miracles. And it's our sacrifice that brought Hashem's miracles to show us that He's still with us and He's still connected to us. In fact, one of the answers, one of the 500 answers to the question is that it says that the Zekhut, one of the Zekhuyot that's going to bring the Mashiach is the lining of the menorah. So one commentary says we light seven nights for the miracle of the past and one night we light for the fact that this miracle of the past will bring Mashiach in the future. Vizat Hashem, if we have that commitment through dark times and light times and we're able to stay that commitment, that dedication to Hashem, to our Torah and Mitzvot, Hashem, one God, We'll bring us to Mashiach very soon. Amen.